I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin, and we are back on the Weekly Pass, joined by my co-host, Adam Copeland. Next, we're joined by a friend of mine, Randy Couture. I mean, this guy's done everything. You know, he's in the military, in the Army, an actor, one of the best to ever do it in MMA. Right, Copes? Yeah, one of the all-time greatest UFC fighters, uh, one of the best heavyweights, and probably the last great heavyweight champion. I know we, I can, we can talk a few, oh, but we yeah. can, we'll go back and talk about that, Randy. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing very, very well, thank you. Now, I mean, Rand, I want to talk, you know, about the history of how you got involved in fighting. I mean, you know, let's, we obviously know that you're in the Army, but what got you into fighting? Give us, you know, kind of the, the backstory. <laughs> well, obviously, I've been <laughs> wrestling since I was 10. Um, went to college at Oklahoma State after the Army, and that's when I kind of cracked into the national team and started wrestling at the national level and the international level. I uh, was, you know, competed against guys like Mark Coleman and was teammates with Don Fry. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm coaching at Oregon State. And one of my athletes brought this VHS in of some guys fighting in a cage, and it happened to be Don Fry, who was one of my teammates in college. So I was immediately intrigued with the sport. And uh, back then, it was a little different. You filled out an application <laughs> wow. and said what your experience was. <clears throat> and whether you know, and it indicated that you were interested in fighting in their shows. And uh, at that time, Mark Coleman was the heavyweight champ, the new kind of new heavyweight champ. And uh, they put me on. They're like, oh, you know, we got enough wrestlers. We want more exotic martial artists, but we'll put you on our alternate list. And so I didn't really think too much about it. Um, was on their alternate list, obviously. Went about my business, my, my regular job as an assistant wrestling coach and, and wrestling for the national team. Randy, what year was and this? Six, this was in 1996, 97. Okay. And uh, about you know 96, when I turned in the application, spring of 97, they called me up. They said, hey, you're, you know, we have a spot in the tournament we can't fill. The guy hurt his hand. Uh, you know, you're on our alternate list. Do you want to fight? It's short notice. It's in three weeks. And. I was like, oh, heck yeah, I want to do it. So uh, that was my first experience. I started training. Thankfully, I was getting ready to go to, to Puerto Rico to represent the U.S. in the uh, Pan American Games. And uh, so I was in shape, uh, obviously wrestling, wrestling shape, and, and hadn't done any real fight training. So I went to Puerto Rico, wrestled, and on the way back, I stopped in Atlanta, Georgia. We rode in a car up to uh, – Augusta, and I had my very first UFC, UFC 13. UFC 13 was the first fight uh, you were in. Uh, and who did you fight and how did it go down, Randy? Well, I was still tournament format back then, so I fought twice that night. Right, uh, right. Uh, okay. in, the heavy, in the heavyweight tournament, the first fight was against a guy named Tony Holloma. He was from Finland, and he was about 300 pounds. He was a big boxing guy. And he also had done some WWE stuff under the name Ludwig Borga. And then uh, the second guy, the guy that advanced on the other side of the bracket, his name was Stephen Graham. And he was a football player from one of the Carolina colleges, great big guy, uh, very athletic. And he had, he had some special forces guy training him uh, in, in martial arts. Uh, that that some, you know, evidently somebody knew who he was because he was all about that that trainer that was training Stephen at the time. So I had those two fights. I think uh, you know the first fight didn't last very long, and then uh, Stephen Graham lasted about three and a half minutes. But it was a, a pretty good night, pretty interesting, and 
a little surreal, to be honest. Well, and it's got to be even more, it's even more surreal, I think, based on where the UFC went and where your career went. Because you get called up after you're doing a, a wrestling thing in the Pan Am Games. You stop by to go fight this 300-pound boxer, and I'm just looking at the way it went down. Since you rear naked choked him in a minute, Randy. Like, I'm thinking, these guys are all, like, different styles of fighting. They're different weights. It's a tournament style, so you're fighting more in one night than you've, I mean, really, than, than the way UFC is done now or the way MMA is done now, I should say. Um, what was it like stepping in against guys with different fighting styles when you had just been doing really kind of regular, uh, rec, uh, what is it, Greco-Roman wrestling? Yeah, I've, I've been obviously just coming off of college wrestling and, and still competing for the national team in Greco. So yeah. I predominantly just saw the application of wrestling skills and years of wrestling skills. And again, guys like Coleman and, and Fry, who I knew well and competed against in wrestling, were already there. They were already, you know, beating people up. And uh, so, you know, I was intrigued by it, certainly intrigued by becoming a, a professional athlete, which I think is a pretty special thing in our society, and a chance to train full-time and, and not have to worry about a day job or any of this other stuff. So it was interesting. Um, yeah, those, you know, th- it was a lot different back then. There were more fights in the stands that night than there were in the cage. <laughs> that way. Uh, I'd imagine the weights of some of those guys were similar to the first dude you beat, too, the 300-pound boxer, man. I'd imagine some of those yeah. guys sucking down beers in the third row, yeah. Well, and those were the Tank Abbott days. You know, yeah, they, they kind yeah. of used Tank as the poster boy, and, you know, the bar barroom brawler kind uh, of mentality was, was what they were using as marketing, which was, I think, a mistake. But uh, ultimately... You know, they, they struggled for a while. Guys like Senator McCain spoke out against the sport. Uh, most people thought we were crazy, that we were thugs or, or criminals, and, and those were the only kind of people they could imagine that were getting in a cage and fighting each other. So it took us a while to overcome a lot of those stigmas. Now, Randy, you come from a military background, being in the Army, and many guys have trained with you know, SF guys. Um, do, you help, do you think that helped that you had that military background and that it, it is uh, pretty... Uh, a benefit to train with these special forces. Absolutely, think it was a, a attention to detail, discipline, um, motivation, and a mentality, a, a particular mindset that certainly uh, helped me along the way. Um, and then the getting used to the hurry up, wait mentality didn't hurt any either. <laughs> we spent a lot of time sitting around in the army uh, waiting for the next gig, so. I think that prepared me pretty well for both fighting and acting. I was about to say, and acting too, because you do a lot of sitting around and waiting. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, you know, Randy, it's funny. Um, I got into I got into MMA and UFC with a roommate of mine uh, probably right around college. So I'm thinking like 2006, 2007, which was like, I, I don't want to say you were past your prime, but you were definitely an elder statesman in, in the fight game at the time. <laughs> I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like you were a guy I still admired. I loved watching you fight, but the young guys were on their way up. Dana White was running the UFC in a way that was like, if you lost two or three fights in a row, you were gone. It was like a strict, yeah. sort of a strict system he was running. But I think that that sort of, sort of filtered all of the good talent to the top. And I look at that division, like that light heavyweight and heavyweight division back in like the 05, 6, 7. I mean, you're talking you, Chuck Liddell, Big Nog, Frank Mir. You mentioned Mark Coleman, Mark Hunts around, Mirko Krokop, Fedor, Heath Herring. Are we going to get back to a point where that division is the elite division? Because from my standpoint, John Jones is just eviscerated the light heavyweight. It seems like these smaller weight classes are where the elite talent is now. Just what's your thought on the makeup of the current standing in the, the light heavy and heavyweight divisions? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the talent pool hasn't been quite as deep. I mean, obviously I think Miocic is a pretty dang good fighter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. 
there, there's some good guys in there, but it's not. it doesn't seem like it's as deep as it was for a while. There were a lot of killers walking around back then in that time frame for sure. And, and I think it, it for a little while became the, the Tim Sylvia – uh, Arlovsky show. You know, they were the only mm-hmm. two heavyweights that kept fighting each other back and forth. I think for almost three years, it was really just about those two guys, and there were no other kind of heavyweights coming in and knocking on the door. And that was actually one of the reasons why I came out of retirement to fight Tim. Was I just kind of saw there was an opportunity. There wasn't really a whole bunch of talent. It wasn't very deep at that time. I think it's gotten a little better. Again, you mentioned Mark Hunt and Miocic, and I mean, there's a there's a, a number of guys. Um, that, that have been pretty dang good and, and fun to watch. And I mean, Dos Santos. I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys, but uh, I know exactly what you mean. It feels like there's ten guys in the, in the 155 pound class or the 170 pound class yeah. that any one of them could be a world champion. Is that good and could be a world champion? And and there's maybe two or three poking around in in the in the light heavyweight or the heavyweight division. It's just not as deep. And the other thing about that is, like, you look at a guy like Jones, who if he has to go to the ground, like, he's a dangerous ground fighter. Um, you could get on the ground and choke somebody out and battle somebody. But it seems like now, like, like Derek Lewis ain't, ain't rear naked choking anybody. He's up there to, like, clobber you, Dos Santos, <laughs> kind of the same way, hands full of dynamite. Did you take pride in your ground game, or is that an element that you think is lost in the, the heavyweight division now? I don't think it's lost. I think guys are, are uh, trying to find the fastest way to get people out of there yeah. and, and – uh, the bigger guys pack so much power, really with small six ounce gloves, it takes one mistake to, to end your night. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time, effort, and energy in, in the grappling situations to overpower somebody, to get somebody out of position. Uh, so, I, you know, I think they're taking the path of least resistance in some ways. Uh, and it's all about skill sets. Uh, you know, some of those guys just don't have or haven't focused on that skill set to, to finish fights that way. Uh, and I think things go in cycles. You see somebody pull something off, becomes the hot thing. I'm sure people are going to be trying to shoulder punch now yeah. uh, and, and bring that, you know, bring that out and, and finish fights that way or use that a lot more because of what Connor just did in that fight against Cowboy. And things just seem to go in cycles. They become the vogue or fashionable thing to do. It was the anaconda choke for a while. You know, Nogueira pulled off that anaconda choke. Right. In pride, and, and I was like, "Wow, I know that move! I can't believe I forgot about that one." And started trying to implement that into my into my series, into my game, and uh, ultimately end up getting Van Arsdale with that same choke. But things just seem to come in vogue like that. You know, it's funny as you mentioned that uh, the McGregor shoulder, like the shoulder slam into Cerrone's mm-hmm. face and breaking his nose. My favorite all-time fight of yours was against uh, was against Gabriel Gonzaga, and he was leaking like a sieve, like his nose had broken, and he was all over the place. I felt like you kind of did the same thing with your shoulder, not broke it with your shoulder, but you smothered him with your forearm and your shoulder till it was like he he couldn't breathe almost. He was trying to breathe out of his mouth and and uh, and couldn't handle it. I was thinking that's a a Randy Couture move, not a Conor <laughs> McGregor move. <laughs> that's a fact. We definitely we we definitely kind of inverted that and invented that whole kind of dirty boxing myself, Dan mm-hmm. Henderson. Oh, I love yeah, it. Hendo, oh, yeah. Henderson was we in were, there. Yeah. I love Hendo. We were Greco guys, and we spent a lot of time in the clinch, a lot of time against the wall or the fence, and and the shoulder punch was something we used a lot to to make a guy uncomfortable, to make him want to adjust or move his feet or or, or you know break a stale situation in the clinch. So uh, yeah, I was certainly used to seeing the shoulder punch. Connor did something a little different with it, and he did it in open space. It's, it's a lot easier to pull off, right? Right. And you've got a guy backed up against the fence, and he managed to pull off 
three really solid shoulder punches from the open space, which I, I've rarely seen. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of brought that thing onto the, onto the platform and, and used it a lot. And then, you know, obviously Connor tweaked it and uh, made it pretty effective yeah, seriously. in his fight with Cowboy. Now, keeping with that Cowboy McGregor fight, you know, I don't know if you saw, but Stephen A. Smith ripped Cowboy after that. And what do you think, Randy, when you see you know an analyst or you know I don't even call him an analyst, but you know talking about <laughs> a fight, you know, when a guy who's never even been in the ring, I mean, that's got a the cage that has to upset you. Well, I just don't think it's very fair. You know, you're not walking up there and doing that, and I don't mm-hmm. think. Oh, everybody's like, oh, Cowboy took a dive. The Cowboy didn't take a dive. There's no way in hell he would never and. He got overwhelmed. He got caught. He got caught with that knee. He never really recovered. And, and Connor did a good job of staying on him and not letting him recover. Um, I mean, it was that simple. And I didn't expect it either. I don't think anybody did. Certainly Cowboy didn't. Um, you know, I thought he was going to give Connor all he could and, and it was going to be a great fight. And Connor came out and caught him early and, and just never let him get back on his feet. So that happens. I mean, it's, and, and to chastise somebody for that, I just think it's wrong. You know, fast forwarding a couple of weeks to, I guess it would have been last week that John Jones Dominic Reyes fight. A uh, lot of controversy from people who thought Reyes maybe should have gotten more credit, and, and maybe it was the fourth round or that third round. I thought it was scored correctly. I had it three rounds to two. Like, like I'm some expert. Like, what my opinion is well, matters. Personal, you know, yeah. I thought it was Jones three two. But it's funny. Everybody's got that Mark that uh, Mike Tyson quote in their head, right? Everybody's got a plan to get hit in the face. I thought Dominic Reyes came out, had a plan. He had Jones on his back foot. He was up against the cage, and then it was almost like. He jumped on him, and Jones was rattled, and then he stopped going after him. Did you pick up on that same thing, or, or when in a fight do you hit that that sort of crossing pattern, that threshold where you realize this is my moment, I got to take this moment now? Because you go five rounds with a champion who's defended the belt fifteen times, it's going to be tough to beat him in five. It's going to be tough for sure. I didn't get to watch that fight. I was at a wedding up in San Diego, uh, but I did hear a lot about it, read a lot about it. I haven't got a chance to go back and watch it now, but it sounds like Reyes had a great account of himself. And anytime a fight is that close that it becomes controversial, which round you scored enough to win yeah, yeah. Is, is pretty amazing. But you generally get a good idea when you're in a fight, if you've got a guy in that kind of trouble and you need to pour it on by the official, the official's going to tell you, hey, you got to get out of there. Jones, you got to get out of there. you got to make something happen. He's letting you know that he's close to stepping in. And that's when you've got to really unleash it. You've got to, turn it loose and, and try and finish the fight. You know, at the same time, you don't want to go over the line, punch yourself out or be reckless. And having not watched that fight, it's hard for me to say whether we let him off the hook or, or didn't press it when he should have pressed it. But uh, it sounds like it was an amazing fight. It was, it was. Now, yeah. Randy, going more broad, I mean, who do you like to fight? Obviously, you watch all the fights. And you know, who are you a fan of? And kind of a double question, the best striker and wrestler that you see right now? Um. I'm a fan of a lot of these guys. Obviously, you know, Khabib has a style that I really appreciate, and some people think he's boring, but, uh, you know, he, he implements wrestling as well as anybody I've seen in quite a while. His ground and pound, his smothering ability to float over somebody, tie up their feet, tie up their legs, and just wear them out is, is pretty remarkable, and he's very, very good at it. I enjoy that. I like watching that. Some people don't. They want to see two guys up there standing nose to nose and banging it out. But uh, I like that tactical chess match. I think that's a fun style to watch for me, and and, uh, I've been impressed with him. Guys like Michael Chandler are fun to watch. Uh, Gas tank for days. You know, Ferguson, uh, amazing. I mean, just just a well-rounded fighter 
there's there's a plethora of really really good guys now in this generation of fighters. They're just a blast to watch. Well, I think to your point from earlier, like when saying, I mean, you're talking about the the backlash or the people who didn't support MMA style fighting or saying it was just for thugs and criminals. We're not getting to a point where kids who are growing up as as football players or as wrestlers now see that there's a I don't know, that type of training is conducive to being able to do another pro sport, another combat sport. Of course, with jiu-jitsu is a part of that as well now. We're getting to a point where kids have grown up with MMA as a part of the fabric of their lives. And so I think we're going to end up with some great talent across the board in different weight classes. I agree 100%. I think this, I call it the third generation yeah. of mixed martial arts. Call, yeah. The first generation were the guys like Boyce Gracie, uh, you know, that had a very particular background and style that they wanted to highlight and prove was the best style for fighting. And I think I came in on the cusp of that when that changed. I was out to prove what wrestlers could do, but I realized quickly, and as did a bunch of my peers, that it wasn't enough. We needed to learn all this other stuff. And we kind of started that second generation of cross-training athletes from that specific background that wanted to be good, well-rounded mixed martial artists. And you're exactly right. I think a bunch of people saw us as we moved in through the, the ultimate fighter days and all that, and said, that's what I want to do. And they didn't care about a belt or a background. They just wanted to be right. mixed martial artists, and we're seeing those kids on the stage now, and they are, they are pretty phenomenal. Talk about young fighters. You have you know, extreme couture, your own gym. Are there any fighters that we should be looking for coming, um, coming up? Your gym? You guys have seen Ke- you know, Kevin Lee, and he's, he's been a blast and fun to watch and a, and a great work ethic and a dynamic fighter. You know, we've had Brad Tavares in there. Vinny Magalash, we've had a, a whole bunch of really, really good guys. Obviously, my son Ryan has been fighting for Bellator for quite a while and, and has done fairly well. Um, we got a bunch of killers in there. We got 40 or 50 guys showing up every day for practice. It's amazing. And it's fun to watch. I think you could sell popcorn there. Yeah, yeah I bet. Uh, and I bet. be pretty successful. <laughs> so it's. Uh, it's it's been great. Ryan and Eric Nixick and Dennis Davis have just done an amazing job of kind of rebuilding the team. You know, obviously they had the impetus of, of Robert Paulus who, who we brought in. This is all kind of going on after right after I retired in 2011, and I feel like the, the gym kind of took a, a dip. You know, a lot of guys went to other places, went to other gyms and other facilities, and and we brought in uh, Dennis and and then Robert in in between. Eric Nixick and Ryan, they've really rebuilt that program at Extreme Couture, and it's been fun to watch. You know, Misha Tate in there winning the title and and doing all that she's done. We we just had a really great group of people come through there. Now, we can't let you go, Randy, without asking about your acting career. I mean, The Expendables, that was such a great movie. Walk us through the first day on set. I mean, there's such big names that are in that movie, and you had a lot of fun, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Uh, We we shot... The first scenes and the first stuff together down in, in Rio de Janeiro, which oh, is nice. the best place to be. <laughs> wow. Uh, but I remember the first night and coming together at this well was kind of the entrance to the to the castle that we were infiltrating. And, and that was the first time that the entire cast of Expendables had been together. And we're all synchronizing our watches in this scene. And I think we're all just looking at each other like, man, can you believe this? I think we're pinching. I know I was pinching myself. <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually here. Uh, but it was it was pretty amazing, and I think to a man, uh, we're all just kind of honored and, and happy to be, be part of such an ensemble cast of guys. Even you know, two we had two and three we had giant casts, two especially Van Dam, J 
Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're all standing in these tents in the cold, getting ready to uh, assault Jean Claude Van Damme with machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of a surreal moment, you know, tacking up, getting all this stuff on, standing next to Chuck Norris and looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger, and, and they're smiling, thinking, "Man, this is crazy." You're you're synchronizing watches and you're looking up and you're going, man, Stallone looked a little bigger standing across from Mr. T in Rocky Three, right? Looked a little taller, huh? Uh, well, he's he is definitely the, the impetus that that had the the juice basically to bring all those entities together and put them in one film, and he sets the tone for sure. He's a very very smart man. Hey, uh, we're going to let you go, Randy. I just want to tell you, man, uh, I'm, I'm a huge UFC fan, and it's been a blast getting to talk to you, man. Pick your brain on some of this stuff. I just love the uh, the back and forth, being able to shoot the bull with a guy who uh, who made me a fan, man. And uh, hold on to that Gabriel Gonzaga nose. I know you still got that in your back pocket somewhere. So I think that's, uh, that's one of my all-time favorite fights. I think it was a fight of the night. I think you won that fight of the night that uh, that night. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was a fight of the night that night, and, and it was a – it was one of those fights that I think nobody really thought I had a chance in winning. He was such a big guy just coming off the Miracle Krokop knockout yeah, and yeah. really firing on all cylinders. And I, I mean, I just had one of those nights. I had a great night. I was in the zone and uh, it, it just worked out. That's great, man. We appreciate yeah. your career and, and we keep thank up, you for everything. And keep yeah. up the good work with the military. That's how we originally met. That's I fantastic. met Randy yeah. on a USO tour. So continue the good work with the troops. I appreciate that, Randy. You bet. Thank you, guys. Okay. Tune, tune in to vetsandplayers.org. That's our, oh, our veteran program at the gyms. And then, obviously, Extreme Couture GI Foundation is still going strong and trying to help those guys that have been wounded and they're in transition. So, I didn't know about that, Randy. I'm going to um, definitely push that out on my social media. Yeah, xcgif.org and then vetsandplayers.org are the two organizations that I'm heavily involved in. And that's that. going really, really well. Good. Thanks so much, Randy. Thanks for your time. Talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Another Hall of Famer, Randy Couture. How fun was he? Okay, so we do. Um, it's funny because you know I'm a baseball junkie. Like I know baseball you are. is my favorite. I love talking baseball. I love nerding out. Like getting to do the Schilling interview was fun for me. The the mm-hmm. Clemens one was cool. You get to pick the the brains of your heroes. You like the Fred McGriff even. The Fred McGriff Golfing. was a blast for me. I mean, th- I tell you all the time. Like we're we're stealing money. We're, I'm a kid yeah. in a candy store. I'm a fan of these guys. We get to talk to them. I didn't want to fanboy out or geek out, but Randy Couture, like. He's like the he's the man of men. He's a big yeah. fighting dude. He was on the he was talking the three generations of MMA and UFC. He may have been in all three. Like I he might have he started. He fought in UFC thirteen. He's, talking he's a about. legend. He's an all time guy and a great dude to talk to. So he, a lot that's of what I love about him is he's such a great dude. I remember when I first met him during USO tour, I was shocked. Like I guess you shouldn't be shocked, but you know when you meet a lot of these fighters, they're not who they are in the cage and right, the ring. Maniacs. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's like a, you know a, like a switch, yeah, right? right? When they go in there, but he's such a great guy. Anybody does you know for charity for the troops and just a all around great guy. Like you talk to about anyone to him and they all say, Oh, Randy's a great guy. Like yeah. they, there's no, um, no one who ever said anything bad about him. So but, same with Hendo. A lot of those guys are really great guys. And it's why he and Liddell kind of became the faces for a while. And they had three great bouts against each other, but mm-hmm. I think they're very well revered and respected because of what they did for the UFC and MMA and putting it on the map mm-hmm. as a normal guy. He was a wrestling coach. He was wrestling in the Pan Am mm-hmm. games, trying to win gold medals. And then here he is a UFC Heavyweight and light heavyweight champion. Great stuff. And how about the fact that he just turned an application? I, yeah. I, I want to fight. They called him on the way back. You want to fight a 300-pounder? I can't imagine Couture was put... He was probably like... Do you remember the, this fight or did no, you ever watch this it? this is UFC 1. Did or you this see is, it, though? This is UFC 13. I want to look it up. So I look it up. This is like probably 96, 97. This is maybe 10 years before I even oh, paid wow. attention. And but he's like, all right. I'll do it. You figure his last fight, though, was about a decade ago. He was 47 years old. Okay, I, mean, I thought he was, he was 45, fighting. 47. He might have been wow. 47 his last fight, 45, something like that. But uh, seven knockouts in his career, four by submission. 
eight by decision. Just one of the all time greats and a fun conversation. Yeah, he was really fun. Was I saw how you kind of lit up. I did. I get Cokes, giddy normally. About I was like, oh, and all of a sudden you got going. You were standing up. Everyone, Cooks stands up during the entire interview, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sitting here like relaxed. I like and it. Copes I like is standing it. up and he's pacing. I thought like Copes is going to start fighting a little bit. America, I don't know. Crow cop. We're talking Big Nog, <laughs> Nagara, Frank Mir. I'm ready to go. I'll run through a wall for Randy Couture. Oh, that yeah. was fun. But another Hall of Famer here on the Weekly Pass. We'll be back next week with all the good stuff with my man Copes. Come on, Cope, say something. What, Bonnie Jill? <laughs> well, I, usually, you say, usually you say your name, so I was like, well, oh. I, I, I kind of Give it to it me again. We'll keep it in. With my boy, Cope. And my girl, Bonnie Jill. <laughs> On the Weekly Pass. See ya.